Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Shopify presents cool sheets from aha to lying awake while you bake isn't cool. I suffered from the wrong kind of hot in bed, heat-induced insomnia. That was my aha moment, bed sheets that keep you cool. Then I thought, how do I even sell bed sheets? That's when I had the idea that made it all possible, signing up on Shopify. With the help of Shopify's intuitive online store creator, I started selling sustainable bamboo sheets that keep cool year-round. And my cool idea became a reality. Hot sleepers around the world rejoice. Shopify makes it simple to keep your cool while starting and growing your business. Start selling with Shopify today and join the commerce platform powering millions of businesses worldwide. From aha to anything is possible. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we'd go belly up. So we made it our name and we're still here. Coming up on the Behind the Mic Podcast, after five years of collective bargaining bliss, the NFLPA went on strike once again. This time, the owners were ready and their, quote, replacement plan, end quote, brought out the worst in both players and fans. You're behind the Michael, Michael Neal Jr. All right, let's go. Squeaky chair. And the papers are back. They have returned. You know what it is. NFL historians, this show isn't necessarily for you, but if you'd like to listen, please do. And this show is actually for those who don't know as much. So we're just here to enlighten for those who don't know about this stuff. You know it already. Well, that's great. Good job by you. You already know this stuff. So it's for those who uh, don't know as much. We're just here to help you out give you a little piece of bit of information that you don't already have in your palm palette. But please, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm always here to learn. It is the Behind the Mic Podcast presented by Belly Up Sports, the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network. Check us out, bellyupsports.com. My show especially, as well as others, you can find them on Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and all of that great stuff. So we're going to fast track this thing. I was really excited for this show um, coming into it. But first, it's the rundown. 
Week 7 started on Thursday night, of course, in Cleveland as they hosted the Denver Broncos. Baker Mayfield will have plenty of time to load the kitties up with the nachos and cheese on Halloween because he's going to be out for a little while with that shoulder injury. Case Keenum, he did an awesome job managing that offense on Thursday. But no Nick Chubb, no Kareem Hunt, no problem. Third year back, Dearness Johnson fielding just fine running for 146 yards. The Broncos have lost four straight. I had no idea that Washington quarterback Taylor Heineke was such a Brett Favre fan. He's wearing the number four. He's playing in Green Bay and does the Lambeau leap after a supposed touchdown that he scored, except he gave himself up way too soon. Protecting the quarterback, you know what I mean? He did run for 95 yards on Sunday. Green Bay, they couldn't run the ball at all, but it did not matter at all. Aaron Rodgers, he throws three more touchdown passes as the Packers win their sixth straight game, 24-10. I hope, I really do hope that they have some receivers left as we've seen that Alan Lazard, as of today, Tuesday, is now on the COVID list. And as well as number one guy, Devontae Adams, is also on that COVID list before him. If you're a sports fan of any kind, you know that some better teams will lose some games that they should. And they will also lose games to teams that are frankly just better than they are. What we have learned about the Tennessee Titans this far, what have we learned? They got blew out the first week at home against the Arizona Cardinals. Chandler Jones showed you just how bad the Titans offensive line was going to be. The evidence, Ryan Tannehill is the most sacked quarterback in the NFL this year. A month ago, they lost to the Jets, who are terrible. Since then, they have won three straight, including this past Sunday's 27-3 win against the now 3-4 Kansas City Chiefs. It's still Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and the rest of that Chiefs team. They aren't clearly the same. But Derrick Henry, he throws a touchdown pass. A.J. Brown torched the Chiefs secondary. The Chiefs defense is bad, but their offense is clearly not the same. Mahomes keeps turning the ball over. And their offensive line, they couldn't block me right now. Or my daughter. The Miami Dolphins have now lost six straight games. And if they're not getting blown out, they're getting the life literally kicked out of them by last second field goals. The Detroit Lions have it bad, but Miami is not far behind. The Atlanta Falcons, who got to, you know, that 30 to 28 win on Sunday, have now won three of their last four. Nothing will get your confidence up like playing the aforementioned New York Jets. Bill Belichick put the Jets over his knee as the New England Patriots scored 54 points and had a season-high 551 yards on offense. Speaking of knees, New York Jets, they not only lost the game, but they also lost their starting quarterback, Zach Wilson, to a knee injury. He will be out two to four weeks. I wonder if Carolina head coach Matt Rule will start P.J. Walker next week. Well, this week coming up. He pulled Sam Darnold in the fourth quarter against the Giants on Sunday. And after starting 3-0, the Panthers have now lost four in a row. Pretenders. Nice catch, by the way, by Daniel Jones on Sunday. It wasn't Odell Beckham, but a nice grab. Baltimore's defense looked good for at least one week, but ooh-wee, Jamar Chase. I know I'm a Steelers fan, and... These are the Cincinnati Bengals, but I absolutely fell in love with LSU during their national championship run. Even the year before that, actually, when they beat, who was it? Oh, uh, UCF, when they beat Central Florida in that bowl game. I, I love uh, Jamar Chase. Uh, I also love Justin Jefferson, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Patrick Queen, Joe Burrow. And I'll, like I said, Jefferson was my favorite receiver to watch. 
Chase was just as good. The Bengals rookie had 201 yards on Sunday. I wonder if he can repeat that this week. I can still smell those Ravens defensive backs. Toast. Toast. Lamar Jackson, he has never lost in October, nor has he lost to the Bengals. But there's the first time for everything, right? 41 to 17, though, at home, that's bad. I don't want to speak too soon, though, because I thought Cincinnati head coach Zach Taylor would be fired by the end of this year. That's not happening. That is not happening. Unless there's an epic collapse, it's not happening. Of course, before the season has begun, we still have 11 more weeks of football. What a difference a quarterback makes. What a difference playmakers make. Got to have players. It's still early. I'm going to keep saying that. But I'm actually uh, very proud of the Vegas Raiders under interim head coach Rich Versace. They are 5-2 and and are playing very well on both sides of the ball. The Eagles, though, y'all have got to score points before the fourth quarter. Got to. Got to. It's amazing what happens when you switch teams. Most of the time, as a quarterback, the perception by the media is that you stink if you're on a bad team. You're the quarterback of a bad team. But you're pretty good to great if you're on a successful team. Just ask Matthew Stafford and Jared Goff, both facing off against their old teams. Stafford from the Lions to the Rams. Goff from the Rams to the Lions. Y'all know the story. Great game, though. Detroit left so far stadium 0-7, but they have fought in just about every game they have played. That's why it's been so painful to talk about them every week. It's always something painful to have this week a little bit better. Um, just about every game they played, it was a back and forth game and it came down to the Rams having a six point lead with what four minutes and some change left to go in the game Goff throws a pick with Aaron Donald in his face to Jalen Ramsey I mean it doesn't get any better than that on defense right and I should have got Detroit some orange slices after the game my bad the Arizona Cardinals landed Zach Ertz from the Philadelphia Eagles via trade just over a week later he's going on a 47 yard touchdown catch on tight end day the rich just get richer. Other than that, there was not much drama in that game against J.J. Watt's old team, the Houston Texans. Just a 31-5 beatdown, and the Cardinals are 7-0 for the first time since 1974. Tom Brady became the first quarterback in NFL history to throw 600 regular season touchdowns. Of course, you all have seen it by now. Mike Evans, who caught three of them, gave that particular ball to a fan. And the equipment people for Tampa Bay got the ball back from the fan. And I sure was hoping that he would ask for tickets for life. Because that's what I would have done. That's me. Well, that fan, Byron Kennedy, is getting Tom Brady signed jerseys. Two of them. And a helmet. A Mike Evans signed jersey. And his game-worn cleats, if I remember correctly. And also, a pair of season tickets for the remainder of this season, 2021, and then all of the 2022 season. Oh, and $1,000 credit for the team store. I take that. Oh, I almost forgot. Bad Bears, Bucks won the game 38-3. Look, I fell asleep at the end of the 49ers and Colts game, Sunday night in the fourth quarter. Too much rain. I blame the rain. Blame it on... Oh, I can't see that. I'll get fine. The Colts won 30-18, meaning San Francisco hasn't won a home game in Santa Clara, since October 18th of last season. Hmm, correct me if I'm wrong on that. I know they had to play some games, home games, in Arizona because of what? The COVID restrictions in the city. Monday Night Football, more rain. 
Saints at Seattle at the Seahawks. I had to watch a majority of that game on my phone. That's because my son had a performance last night, and I even had to watch it as I boosted his battery. His car had died. We just bought it. I was forced to eat McDonald's for dinner because it was too late to get something that was truly edible, and I wasn't sure if I could take another game in the rain, but I got back home in time to watch the fourth quarter in the comfort of my own home to see the Saints defense put a wrap on the Seahawks, who have the worst record at home since 1992. I think they're like one in three this year. That's bad. That's bad. Look, I've seen enough of Geno Smith, and it's okay being a capable backup. You don't have to be great when you come off the bench. Just manage the game, and sometimes you do have to be able to make a throw. I had a discussion yesterday with a buddy on Monday well, with a buddy. You will hear this show on Wednesday. And I told him, look, smart coaches, good coaches, great coaches, they won't ask players to do something that's outside of their abilities. And if a guy can't throw the football on a consistent basis, they're probably not going to call certain plays. They're just not going to do it. They're not going to do it. They're going to. That's why they kept handing the football off, even though there was a 12-man front from the Saints. And Demario Davis and them boys teed off on the guy that I needed to score nine points in fantasy, and he only scored four. Thanks a lot, Alex Collins. Thanks a lot, Seattle. But Seattle, speaking of which, they need Russell Wilson to get that pen pulled from his finger as fast as possible. All right, that's a wrap on that. Trying to cut that segment a little shorter, uh, but I hope y'all enjoy it. Yeah, whatever. Coming up next, after you get married, there's a period when you know that the honeymoon is officially over. I'll explain. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup, so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Not all marriages are the same. There are those where the honeymoon seemingly never ends. And there are those that go terribly wrong during the honeymoon. You know that the marriage is probably doomed from the start. And then there's those, you have a little rough patch right there in the middle, you know. But the marriage is solid for the most part. And that's the NFL. That, that's the league. It's, it's been a rocky marriage between the owners and the players. It, it's, they, 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 are, they are joined because one can't do without the other. It's just that simple. In 1982, NFL players went on strike. Why? Why did they go on strike? Well, they basically wanted more money, better benefits, based on the fact that the league was making more money. And it does help that NFL, what happened? They signed those new five-year contracts with those three major television networks. You already know their names. They deserved a raise, and they got it. It cost them, but it got they they got that. In 1986, the league 
was in a at a new point. They had set another all time attendance record with seventeen million three hundred four thousand four hundred and sixty three fans, and then those five year. TV contracts with ABC, NBC, and CBS, I had to say it. They added three more years and an extension. On top of that, ESPN had come into the fold and they signed a three-year contract to televise 13 primetime games each season. And as Antonio Brownwood said, business was booming. But the collective bargaining agreement was expiring. Expiring just like five years prior, late September, after the second week. The NFL would go on strike for the second time in five years on September 22nd, 1987. Why? Well, there were differences, obviously, between the 82 and 87 strikes. What did the players want? They basically wanted more money. They wanted a bump in pay with rookies as well as veterans. That's as far as minimal pay, severance pay, medical insurance, and retirement business uh, benefits. In 87, they wanted free agency. And let me give you a short history. Kick the music. From the time the league began, owners held the rights to players for as long as they were well capable. And when they couldn't cut it anymore, they were let go. Sound very familiar, doesn't it? From 1920 to 1946, there was the reserve rule. And just to put a button on this, owners perpetually re-signed their players and the players stayed with their teams basically indefinitely until they were tired of them. And then, boop, kicked them out. Then there was the one-year option rule from 1947 to 1962. Really interesting that it ended in 1962. This was where players became free agents basically for the first time, but only one player actually took advantage. And that was San Francisco receiver R.C. Owens, who left the 49ers to go to the Colts. The owner of that team did not like that very much. Enter the Roselle rule. It was named for, guess who? Pete Roselle. Ding, ding, ding. He will decide. The commissioner would decide the compensation for a team losing a player, whether that was draft picks, players, or cash. The rule basically hindered player movement by penalizing the very team that signed him. You signed them, Seahawks? Well, you're going to have to pay up big time. Of course, there was a court ruling, fast forward to 1976, Mackey versus the NFL, John Mackey, the Hall of Fame tight end. It determined that this rule put restraints on free agency. No duh. Teams that were able to freely negotiate with the players, all right, they, they were not able to do that. Although the NFLPA won in this case, they actually gave their victory right back to the league in 1977 in that CBA negotiation. You win to get out of that rule, and then you give that power right back to the owners. I didn't understand that, but basically the players' uh, original team could match any offer and retain the player. That's basically what it was. In 1987, the players wanted all of these restrictions lifted. Of course, the owners didn't want to do it. So, strike again. Ownership, though, they were ready. They were prepared. I had to ask myself this question going forward whose idea was this i mean you can say all, all the owners yeah it, it, you can sum it up that way but who who was it that wanted to do this well the last time the league canceled seven games and back in 1982 there was money lost everywhere 
don't remember, here it go. The owners lost $275 million. The players lost $72 million. And that's not counting the amount of money lost by the area businesses that got that big injection of income on game day. The parking lots, the, the restaurants, and, and everybody else that's involved. The owners basically said, we're not going to lose money like last time. We're not losing games like last time. And we're not paying back $50 million to those TV networks because we didn't have games. We're not paying that money again. So I understand personally the owner's side of that. Texram, Mr. President and GM of the Dallas Cowboys for years. He, it was his idea to put a contingency plan in place so that the games would continue. They used replacement players. Who were the replacement players? If you don't understand that, who would? They were basically free agents. Guys that had been cut during training camp or guys who simply, they, they tried out and they didn't make the team. They went undrafted. Some of them actually did get drafted though. You'll learn about some of those later. Some of these guys, you know, they just weren't good enough. And the other thing is, I, I would have to say this, just because you weren't good enough to stick on this team didn't mean that you weren't good enough to stick on another. Uh, you know, just throwing that out there. But in the end, when the players decided to strike, week three was canceled totally. And they would pick things up in week four. Well, on the player side, why would they be upset with the owners by using, you know, them using replacement players? Yeah, they acted out, y'all. Um, it was ugly. It was very ugly. So the players are saying, I'm not going to offer my services until you give me what I want. Now, like I said, they had a plan in place to go ahead on. Well, that throws a total wrench in what I'm trying to do as a player. I'm saying I'm not coming to work, but you put somebody that is in, mostly inferior at doing my job and you're gonna put him in place to do it. I'm mad not only at you, but I'm ticked off at that player because you're messing up negotiations. We're trying to get free agency. We're trying to be able to move freely. Think about this. Think about free agency, okay? I love that this 87 strike, it did make what the NFL is today, and I'll absolutely love it. If you had you know, let me make it simple. If someone puts you on a bad team and that owner had the right to keep you on that bad team forever and always, every year you're watching somebody else go to the Super Bowl. Every year you're watching somebody else with a competent head coach. Every year you have, as a receiver, for instance, you're seeing somebody else that has a great quarterback. You want a piece of that or you want more money because my owner is cheap and I would like to move on because this team over here is saying they'll pay me $15 million a year and you only want to pay me $1 million a year. Where's the justice? I want to have freedom of movement. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? That was the main thing that they wanted in this strike. And by them using the replacement players, why were they mad? Because they're moving on without you. Obviously, it's not the same brand of football was basically throwing that wrench in those negotiations. I totally understand why the players were pissed off and upset because you're going and doing something that we're not trying to do, which is not have games, okay? We're trying to show that you need our services, which they did. It, 
even though they played with those replacement players, they did. Not all those, those games were not that great. Even though I've heard mixed reviews, I've seen mixed reviews, I've watched some of the stuff a little bit, and it was, I mean, if you watch highlights, that's one thing, but you have to, you have to actually watch the games and see the games. Don't watch the highlights of the deep ball that the guy completes or the play that they make on the goal line. Watch the games. It was different. It wasn't the greatest football in the world, okay? Y'all remember those replacement refs that we had some years ago when the real refs went on strike and you got people throwing up two hands touchdown when someone clearly intercepts the ball right there in your face, all right up under here, right up under here, Gina. I mean, you know, you can definitely see, look, no shade to the people that don't do the job as well, but if you have a collection, that's why you have bad teams, right? You got a collection of players that just aren't as good, but then you have another team that's perpetually good or great. They have a different level of players. So you see what I'm going with that? Okay. Coming up next though, there's a saying I learned in church a long time ago. What's in you will come out of you. How NFL players and fans reacted to the replacements, which showed this period to be the darkest in NFL history. But after this, there would be labor peace. But how? Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team, Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Just a thought, in every professional sport, you have to have a very high level of mental toughness. You have to. There's pressure from organizations, from ownership, from coaches, teammates, fans, friends, family. Not to mention the fact you have to deal with injuries, being ready to go and do it all over, week in and week out. Don't think about just the games. Practice is the same way. You also have to deal with opposing fans during game days as well as the opponents. Folks talking about you on TV, especially these days on the radio, social media. These days, social media is, is huge. I, me personally, my simple remedy is stay off of it. But maybe it's easier said than done. Just the media, period. You have to be able to block all of that stuff out and play to the best of your abilities. In life, there are moments where people will really tell you, whether it's in word or in deed, who they really are especially when they're upset, especially when they're mad. Their true feelings will come out. And sometimes it's really the worst side of people. You have some people, they, they, they say some things that have been on their mind for a long time or what they really think about you when they're mad and really they just want to give it to you and they're going to tell you the truth. <laughs> sometimes withholding the truth is probably best. Sometimes telling the truth and being honest is good, but... Sometimes you're just too upset to know which, but your reaction tells you what you really feel. It, it does. I'm not saying that it's all good or all bad, but those reactions that you have when you're in a moment like that, you know, it's obvious that I can reference to the movie called The Replacements. 
that starred Keanu Reeves and Gene Hackman, which was loosely based on the Washington football team of 1987. Now, look, the threat of the strike was had already been in the air before they actually chose to do it. Right. Because the CBA was expiring and the NFLPA had already did what they wanted, uh, you know, with the next agreement. According to an article that I read on Deadspin.com, Dom Consento wrote, quote, on September 10th, the Chicago Tribune reported the owners voted unanimously to play through a player strike by fielding anyone willing to wear a uniform. By the time of that vote, according to the Associated Press, I almost wanted to say AP, that's what AP is, 19 of the league's 28 teams had already begun signing players, replacement players. TextRam basically had said to those owners that we're not going to miss out on that money, right? And we're going to use those players that, you know, that had been cut out to the preseason, training camp guys that didn't make the team, USL players, former college football, right? Even those that were in jail. Yeah. One minute you're working at a construction site and on the next minute, you're playing in Giant Stadium in the in the Meadowlands. You look on the sideline, you see Bill Parcells. Would you not want that opportunity if it was offered to you? There were 28 teams worth of these kinds of players that were offered that opportunity and then took it. But it was a price to pay. What these replacement players had to go through was understandable, but very ridiculous. It was sad. Ask yourself, you know, if you wanted that chance to play again, to live out your dream to play in the pros, even if it was just for three games, would you take it? Would you? Well, I finally got around to seeing the ESPN 30 for 30. It was directed by John Dorsey called Year of the Scab. And I pretty much took notes throughout the entire uh, movie. And it, it was mind-blowing seeing what those players had to deal with and some of that under the the, the the details of some of the stuff that I had no idea about. Well, like I said, they wanted free agency and they said there was a reason and this was made back in, uh, shot back in 2017. It was made back in 2017. And they had been basic labor peace since 1987. They wanted free agency. The, the, the players wanted free agency. And it was the focus of the of the movie had players mostly from the Washington football team. Just about all of them were from the Washington football team. Why? They won the Super Bowl in the 87 strike year, right? Anthony Sangella, uh, excuse me, Sagnella, Danny Burmeister, uh, Craig McEwen, Skip Lane, Tony Settles, Ed Rubert, David Wyndham, Tony Robinson. Some of these guys, you have no idea who they are. UT fans know who Tony Robinson is. He was one of the best quarterbacks in UT history, even if it was for a short time, because he ended up going to jail because of distributing cocaine. You know, young young man going to jail for a very long time because of distributing cocaine. He ended up playing that replacement year, three games, and he had to go back to jail and finish his turn, which was four more years. I think now he, he has his own painting company and he coaches youth football. Don't know if he still does that now because that movie was made, what, about five, six years ago now. But it, it, the focus was on all of these different replacement players that just came from a lot of different places. And they went 
to the lens to get Tony Robinson out of jail. Why? Because the quarterback that they had wanted in the first place was Ed Rubert, who was a Freddie Mercury lookalike for you Queen fans. He decided to go home because of how the picket lines that the NFL players at every single spot were getting really violent and really rough. So you had incidents say like the first bus that they showed was the Washington football team and big defensive uh, tackle Daryl Grant smashes the windshield with his bare hand. Kansas City, there were players that arrived at the uh, training camp uh, and, and some of them were arriving at games. I think this may have been at a game before a game with shotguns. They're arriving with shotguns on the premises with shotguns in the back of a pickup truck. I was a little nervous because that looked like something else. Uh, you had the players' wives as well as the players. They were you know, cussing and cussing them and, and bad-mouthing them. And like I said, I understand why, but man, this put a black eye on the league and even on some of the fans. That's the reason why they call it the darkest time in the NFL's history because of there have been some other really, really bad times now. I'm going to be honest with you. But there was a lot of things that happened during that period. And some of the stuff, you just got to see it for yourself. Really did. Tex Ram, on the other hand, this man really, yes, he came up with the plan to have the replacement players. Yeah. But then at the same time, he's messing with his Dallas Cowboy team and he created infighting within his within his own organization. Now, there were other organizations that had the exact same issues. We'll get into that in a second. But you had all of these replacement players that were coming from all over the place that he had opened the door to. They were insurance salesmen, construction workers, and delivery drivers, those living at home with their parents. And some of the most notable guys that played as replacement players, there were three of them that came up Defensive end for the Los Angeles Rams. Death Row record CEO Suge Knight. He appeared as a backup in two games. Chicago Bears, they had Sean Payton at quarterback. The New Orleans coach that just won on Monday night. Yeah, that guy. And for those who are college football fans, y'all remember Rick Neuheisel, right? He was a replacement quarterback as well. And so, I mean, for the San Diego Chargers, they went 2-0 with him as a quarterback. But I had, I just wanted to know how those players felt being talked about and ridiculed the way that they were in the media to their face i mean there were fights outside of stadiums even when the games began yeah some of the players had some success but at the same time there was such violence and such anger and vitriol and 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 such hate and stuff that being thrown left and right what they really thought about these players and and for me it was really funny to to hear some of the players say some of the things that they did but even on the fan side i had no idea uh didn't think about what they would think as far as okay you're going to give me you know you're going to give me corned beef instead of giving me steak i don't know some people like corned beef better but fans were turning in their tickets they wanted refunds they wanted to be comped they wanted real football they thought already that that they was and here's the other thing the other side of it yeah they wanted the real players on the field but they also felt like most fans do that they were overpaid anyway they were protest outside of stadiums uh before and after games 
even the Teamsters, especially in the North, they were getting involved because it was a union thing, right? At the time, keep this in mind, there were uh, plenty of of union cities, and especially in Philly. I seen I seen the the scene outside of Philadelphia. There were people fighting and people getting punched in the face and shoved. And you know you had the picket signs, and it, it was just—I didn't want to be—I wouldn't have wanted wanted to be there. That would have been a hard thing to do. And with all of this stuff that was being said, and all of the ways that they were talking about these replacement players, there was one thought that I had, as they were called scabs and things like that, and God knows what other names. They were verbally bashed by the current players as well as the fans. Yeah, but the problem that I have is that some of these guys actually had played in the league before. You, you know, pay attention to the ones who in the past that were free agents or undrafted guys who became stars or solid starters at least. And if this whole strike wasn't happening at the time, there wouldn't be a word about some of these guys who ended up playing. They would have been celebrated. They talked about the team names. They changed the team names. The Los Angeles Shams, the Chicago Spare Bears, uh, the Seattle Sea Scabs. They called them scabs. They loved calling them scabs. Um, the New Orleans St. Elsewhere's, the Miami Dolphins, I didn't like that one, and the San Francisco Phony Niners. Wow. <laughs> nice. And like I said, going back to the fans, yeah, they, they talked about them bad. Uh, the average NFL salary had risen, right? Because, you know, they were play replacing these players that were making, at the time, the NFL salary, and this is what the fans are looking at, that at the time it was $230,000 on average with a minimum salary for $50,000 with rookies and the average salary for the rest of the world was $25,000 but keep this in mind though outside of being a doctor or a lawyer or something like that entertainment pays man and the last time I checked some of the richest people on the face of this earth are either on television as actors or athletes one or the other alright some of those players uh, they, they they had to they got to the point where they were going to cross picket line and they did exactly that uh, you had the St. Louis Cardinals at one point they had 14 vets cross the picket line I read an article that featured former players like Ron Wolf that played with the Cardinals uh, Chris Collinsworth of the Bengals and Danny White the quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys and they all had different stories because some of these guys that were veterans were crossing those lines. Yeah, the guys like Mark Gastineau and Joe Montana, Howie Long, Lawrence Taylor, Steve Largent, as well as Danny White. Um, it, I, I actually, you know, you, you get to see Randy White, Ed Tutal Jones, Tony Dorsett. I'll get to them in a second. But they're crossing the line and the article kind of talked about how these different players felt. And for the most part, all three of these, well, two of the three were like, okay, we're, we're striking and I'm going to stick with it. And some probably had ill will towards other players. And I'm not saying that these, not probably some, some of this ruined relationships between players. And of these, you know, three, it didn't because there was, I guess there was um, an understanding. Even Chris Collinsworth talked about the fans that did actually show up to the games because you had one with the Washington football team when they played in Giants Stadium, there was hardly anybody there. The stadium was virtually empty. But Collinsworth 
was told by a fan as he was going into the uh, to the stadium to to the game that his six-year-old son wouldn't have even known the difference and he's never been to a game before so i'm going to take it and although that's true of course the older folks would have known the difference but then you have guys like washington's anthony allen like i said they're players who actually were drafted Anthony Allen was a receiver for the Washington football team that was drafted back in 1983, a six-round choice. Of course, these days, that's next to last in line as far as being drafted. But remember this, back then, that's pretty much a middle-round pick. You can put him as more like a third-round pick or maybe a fourth-round pick today. A six-round pick back then, remember, there was like 12, 14 12, between 12 and 14, I can't remember off the top of my head, 12 and 14 rounds of the NFL draft. So, yeah, there were a lot of players to choose from. A lot of people got drafted, but not a lot of them got on those rosters, right? But Allen was one of the few that was actually good. He was cut before the season started by Washington, but I think they ended up bringing him back, right? Funny how that works. He, You get somebody that's called up, and the dude showed out. He said a... Redskins, oh, sorry, I said it, didn't I? He said a Washington football team record, receiving record that year. Yeah, it was a scab game, if you want to call it that. But there were 14 players, veterans, that were on that Arizona, uh, on that card, the St. Louis, I think it was St. Louis at the time, on that St. Louis Cardinals roster. So I, I really don't want to hear it. But as far as crossing the picket lines, the Dallas Cowboys, they had 21 players that crossed the line. And according to Star Magazine contributor Jeff Sullivan, he said that the Raiders had 26, the Rams had 24, the Cardinals went from 14 to 22. None of those four teams, though, finished with a reading record. That's really interesting, isn't it? And it's really crazy how all of that kind of worked out for Washington, who were the only, they were the only football team, the only team that did not have a veteran player cross the picket line. It was all replacement players. All replacement players. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. So talking about players, veterans crossing those picket lines, you had the numbers growing, growing that were going from striking to going back over the picket lines and going to play ball. There were reasons for that. There's a saying that my brother loves to use. Joe, shout out to my brother. It's called pocket watching. What does that mean? I'm not concerned with what you make. I'm really not. Although one of my buddies, and I have to make a correction, that defensive end for the Buffalo Bills that I work with right now, Kenny Johnson, he went to Knoxville College. He says it so fast, I thought he was saying Knox College. He's saying Knoxville College. Knoxville College. 
he said there was a point where everybody did they 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 kind of uncovered who made what and they knew what everybody made but i'm not pocket watching but fans totally and media they were totally pocket watching in this in this situation why did they play uh, across the line the bag the money that's why they crossed the line also honoring their contracts but mostly you have to remember that these guys had mortgages and bills to pay Tex Schramm was a lowdown joker, man. I, I'm just going to say it. I don't know who agrees or disagrees with that. But even watching the America's game, the Super Bowl team of 1971, even those guys, you had Bob Lilly, Dwayne Thomas, uh, even Roger Staubach, all those players knew that Schramm was cheap. He was the one that – and he wasn't the only one. Okay, trust me. Everybody was penny pinching for they were pinching pennies for a long time. Shram was low down for everything that he did, but it worked for the owners. It did. He had put in some contracts for the Cowboy players, some some certain players, annuities that were hooked up to their contracts. I mean, it sounds good. What are annuities? Basically, it's your retirement. And Ed Jones, Everson Walls, Tony Dorsett, they all had annuities in their contract that I learned during this research. Dorsett, though, he was told that he would lose half of his $6 million annuity if he basically continued to sit out. You have to remember that there was a good amount of these players that were also near the end of their careers that were crossing these picket lines, him being one of them. And if you look at most of these players that I'm talking about, they were in the next to last year of playing in the league. And after having already been through one strike, already having lost money, they would never be able to regain that money again, right? They can't make that up. There's no way that they would sit out and lose even more money. They had no idea how long that strike was going to last. They did not know. But they don't want to lose more money. Randy White, he said basically as much in an interview. And it makes total sense. Some cats had to think about their families, man. They as well as themselves if they were single there's only one opportunity to make that kind of money in life for most people and you can't afford to take a gamble right you can't afford to take that gamble that you would ever get that money back just ask Le'Veon Bell so during that three-week strike the talks for the most part was that the owners were basically trying to break the union which they did I totally believe that that's what they were doing to a degree because the owners want what they want when they want it and as a matter of fact Union director Gene Upshaw said that the NFLPA had took free agency off the table, which is what they wanted the most. They took it off the table and the owners still broke off uh, talks. More players started returning to their teams out of frustration, impatience, as well as infighting. And like I said, going back to what I watched in Year of the Scab, you know, eventually played play resumed the player strike only lasted a total of 24 days three weeks three weeks of nfl games have been played the strike ended on a thursday but there was a 1 p.m deadline that wednesday as to when the players were supposed to show up for work they were supposed to report by that deadline and they knew that going in those players were turned away at the door because they were not eligible to play that sunday so they had to wait until wait until the next week to play football again keep this in mind that this was all early uh, in the season as well. 
it turned a 16 regular game season into 15 total. And the playoffs moved on without change. So who won and who lost? Owners 106, players zip. The players got the brakes beat off them as they did not receive the free agency they were looking for. And the players union actually decertified after the strike ended, although it did reform in 1993, which was about the same time that free agency as we know it now truly began. Two words, Reggie White. In the end, there was one NFL franchise that absolutely loved the strike season. The Washington football team. Hall of Fame coach Joe Gibbs won two of his three Super Bowl rings with that franchise in those strike-shortened seasons. Well, going back to those Washington replacement players, so after those three, well, those three weeks they played and they ended up moving Washington in the first place. Again, it was early in the season. They played the first two games, just like last time. Week three was canceled out. Week four picked up with the strike players. They played weeks four through six. The players, the real players, returned in week seven. Washington wasn't in first place. Again, they did not use any veterans until after the strike was over, and they actually kept 13 of those players. Dallas, on the other hand, Tech Schramm, his plan totally backfired. Totally backfired. Yeah, they had all those guys that returned and everything like that. But eventually, after the season ended, and like I said, none of those players, none of those teams that I named earlier, the Raiders and the Cowboys and the Cardinals, that they, they did not have a winning year. They didn't have a winning record. Tom Landry was fired 18 months later. Tex Round ended up resigning soon after that. Tony Dorsett wanted out of Dallas, went to Denver, got hurt. He ended up retiring that next season. And I think, like I said, um, that the, the football team plummeted. And if you know anything about the Dallas Cowboys, which I'm sure you do, those Cowboys ended up going, what, 1-15 all the way uh, by 1989. And it was bad. That plan totally backfired. On the other hand, Washington... They ended up winning Super Bowl 22. And that receiver, Anthony Allen, he not only was brought back on the team, he actually caught a pass in the NFC Championship game against Minnesota. He played pretty much throughout the rest of that season, catching some passes. He didn't play in the Super Bowl. He ended up getting a Super Bowl ring. The rest of them did not, even after all of that. And I understand where Joe Gibbs and even Jack Kent Cook, which I wasn't too fond of the way that he handled that situation. Uh, I understand where they were com coming from because even Gibbs said himself when he was asked whether those players, those replacement players, had earned a Super Bowl ring. I understand because it was so early in the season. Y'all played in weeks four, five, and six. And then you still had to go all the way to week 16 to, you know, you had all those other games where, yeah, they moved you in the first place, but the veterans kept them in first place. And even though they really wasn't the best team in the league, the 49ers were, they lost. Uh, they were upset by the Minnesota Vikings. And Washington beat those Vikings in the NFC Championship game. But Anthony Allen was the only one to receive a Super Bowl ring. The other replacement players, yeah, they were used. Used and thrown out. They weren't called. They weren't 
you know, they, they just got get got a thank, a thanks. I have no idea what happened with the rest of those players and those those other teams. Because keep in mind, there was 21 other, excuse me, 27 other teams that you have to think about. And you have to really dig to find some stuff out about them. And these, these were the ones that were put in the forefront. Jack Kent Cook said, no, they're not getting rings. Thanks, but no, you're not getting Super Bowl rings. On June 12th, 2018, a year after the film Year of the Scab had dropped, 30 years later, 25 of those players received authentic Super Bowl rings. I mean, I, that, that's great. And they deserved it. They were a part of that. What if Washington went 0-3? What if they went one and two? They went three and oh, two and one. Okay, we can work with that. But they went three and oh in those replacement games. And Washington, they were really, credit has to be given to head coach Joe Gibbs, GM Bobby Bethard, and also Charlie Casserly. They, again, I said way back in September 10th, they had already, they, you know, they made, they had, had the vote, right? Well, not long after that vote, they had already started signing players. They knew what was coming. And so they had to work. They tried to grab the best players that they could. And they did that. They, they played and they won with those replacement players. And 13 of them stayed on the team. They were good enough to stay. There were others on other teams that had a small snippet of an NFL career. Maybe, you know, two, three, four years down the road. But, hey, I like the way that that story ended. They deserved rings and they got them. All right. Let's get to these references. Thanks to Mental Flaw, Scab Story, the 1987 NFL Strike, ESPN Films, 30 for 30, Year of the Scab, NFL History of Free Agency Explained on Patriots.com, Care of NFL.com. Also, azcentral.com, NFL Apart in 1987, still resonates with former players. Article by Bob McMenamin. The Washington Post, 30 years later, Redskins replacement players receive Super Bowl rings. Kimberly A. Martin wrote that article, June 12th of 2018. DallasCowboys.com, Star Magazine contributor Jeff Sullivan, and also the book, 75 Seasons. I want to thank you for listening to the Behind the Mic podcast presented by Billy of Sports. Billy of Sports Podcast Network, BillyofSports.com. Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio are the places you can find this show and others. You better listen to my show. Tell your mom, your dad, your cousin, your daughter, your sons, your, your, your uncles, your babies, mamas, sisters, cousins, uncles, nephews, former roommate, or I'll find your house. Out.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 